I think what we're going to start seeing is an ownership of the staffing firm with all their data, right? They've had their data in ATS and it's been largely unused. Again, 13% ever gets used. So now we're starting to see this like nurturing of their own talent pools versus going outbound to job boards or wherever else that they're sourcing from other sources. I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more tapping into the ATS more. And I think that was the intent. Like everybody's database, they want it active in like a gold mine. I think we're going to start seeing that versus going out to these kind of frankly ancient methods of sourcing talent. So I think we'll see more of that. I think we'll see more ownership on where the job lives. So I think we've seen, you know, jobs live on a bunch of different apps in a bunch of different places. I think with Google for jobs, to me as an SEO person, I think that's a good thing. I think when you have your jobs scraped and picked up and then the end experience is back on the website of the firm that posted it, I think that's a good thing versus going through one of the job boards and bouncing around all over the place. You think about experience, it's like, it's all touch points, right? So it's all the different ways someone interacts with your brand and your firm. You wanna make sure you kind of own it. So you own the experience, right? Thank you for tuning in to the You Own the Experience podcast. This is your co-host, Rob. This week, Lauren and I wanted to share an episode from November of 2020, where Rob sits down with Hearfish, now Bullhorn Automation's co-founder and CMO, Travis Arnold, to talk about why people should not be afraid of automation. With Bullhorn focusing on a new model of connected recruiting, the need to automate engagement and nurturing and other processes along the way will be a framework for all staffing and recruiting companies of the future. As Searfish's CMO and former marketing agency owner, Travis is uniquely positioned to give great insight into the connected recruiting model and talk about automation's role in it. Take a listen, and as always, let Lauren and I know what you found valuable. This episode is brought to you by Kyla Partners and Leap Consulting. And if you're enjoying the show, please remember to rate, review the show wherever you tune in and share with a coworker. Enjoy. Hey, let's just start. Tell everyone how you feel about PDFs and white papers. <laughs> well, I don't mind white papers, but I hate PDFs. No, I think there's a lot to unpack here. This is kind of like a therapy session. We'll just talk through all of our issues and get it all out there. My name's Travis. Maybe we'll do that for a second because you would be the right person to ask or one of the right people to ask. But just so you know, the episode before this, we always have the Ask Lauren segment at the end of regular episodes. And Lauren and I were talking about fear of digital transformation, fear of automation in the episode with Joshua Pine. So another expert, another consultant in the industry talking about people being afraid of Automation, just digital, we kind of like we're more broad, but automation did come up in that combo. But yeah, man, let's just start there. Why should you not be afraid to automate? Give me a two minute elevator pitch on that. I think it comes back to efficiency and productivity. So when we when we started Herefish, we had like the thesis we were trying to like prove was, hey, you have a lot of candidates in your database. There's no way you're ever going to talk to them. You talk to maybe a top end 13% ever, and you have 100,000, 200,000, a million, whatever. So it's like, there's no way that an individual recruiter is going to talk to their fraction of that group. So you have to automate some of that outreach. And so that's where we started. We saw that we got a lot of early traction there. And then as we progress, it's like, okay, why not automate all these internal processes that are broken? And, you know, processes in staffing firms typically live on a whiteboard or they live on a sheet tape to somebody's monitor. And it's like, oh yeah, when I do this, I do this. And some of the stuff's in the ATS and it helps you move along. But there's so much other things that happen. 
So then we started to go down this path, like, it's kind of silly not to, it's not taking your job away. It's, it's like your sidekick. So it's imagine being in a motorcycle and you got a sidecar and you've got like a really cool little dog there. That's just like telling you a direction. It's like, <laughs> that's what's going on with the scale though, across the entire business. Way to use a puppy to deescalate fear. I like that. Yes. Yes. Using a dog metaphor immediately deescalates all anxiety. Yeah, kittens or dog, like little puppies. So it's like, okay, well, we got to use a puppy. I'm, I'm a more of a dog guy than a cat guy. The benefits of it far outweigh any fear. It's not like the fears you heard like in the late 80s when robots were jumping into the assembly line in car planes. It's not like completely replacing people. This is just augmenting the work that they're already doing. So fears are a bit unfounded. I think there's a lot there. I think there's other fears with like the work required to go into it. Like what's required when you buy a tool that automates some of your processes. And I think that there's a good group of companies, especially in the staffing space, that like kind of preloads. I know here, Fish, we have pre-built automation. So people can literally like a couple of clicks, have an automation running, you know, the minute they're signed up and live. And I know others have kind of workflows and similar things that kind of help push the process along and keep momentum going, which again, we kind of strike that fear away with those. So, I mean, that's kind of a long-winded answer to a short question, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I heard, guys, is you only can communicate with 13 or below percent of your database on average a year, right? That's one of the reasons why I used to sell a lot of Herefish or any of the other platforms that do something similar. I think maybe, and I don't want to like make this political at all. So just, I'm just going to say that we're going to move past it, but like defund the police isn't really a great branding phrase, right? Like there's probably better ways to say that. Mm-hmm. So like, I think augmenting or an assistant might be a better way to brand some of those internal automations, your recruiter augmentation tool. Right. So like, it's not just replacing because that gets a legit fear, right? Like, okay, like robots replaced factory workers and it's a huge thing. Automation's replacing factory workers. In this case, you still want a human, definitely. And augmenting is a better thing, but then you can get into like cyberpunk and then you got like metallic parts and it just gets weird, dude. So I don't know. We'll keep playing with the words choice here. I think it's more cyborg than Android. I've used that analogy in the past when talking with companies that are like on the edge or on the verge of it. So it's like, we're giving every recruiter in your entire company this tool. And this tool is going to do all of these things. Here's the time that we know because we've tracked everything that we've ever done. Here's the time you're going to save throughout a year per person. And by doing all these little things, these little micro transactions and micro internal automations that occur. And so it really does augment and like some of these things can be used interchangeably recruiting assistant, you can use kind of augmented recruiting and everything else. It all fits together at the end of the day where we're automating the busy work away and automating the stuff you don't want to do that's non-productive that like people hate. And we're putting that on autopilot so people can do the things they like, which most recruiters and salespeople, it's talking to people. It's like, sure, there's a money component, but Every recruiter I've met is like, there's something there. Like they actually really like talking to people. And I think that's what you see a common thread between recruiters and salespeople in this space. Yeah. I told my manager today that I get paid to talk to people and he gets paid to stress out. (laughs) I was like, yeah, see, people like to talk to people. I'm going to take this in a very selfish way because I haven't really got to play and hear fish too much or any automation tool for the last couple of months. So what is the coolest thing you've seen automated recently? Or were you paying attention? I don't know. Before I left, I think at the beginning of the year, I would say the response to our current customers that obviously customers had here, fish and born, their response to COVID and how they used our tool to respond to that was like the coolest thing. I was like, this is amazing. Like we're sending surveys and we're asking questions about COVID so we can get people into like a safe bucket so they can go off to work. So nurses and 
light industrial, like hit that pretty hard. And then IT too, you know, not to exclude them, but we saw it big on the nursing and healthcare side. So to me, that was like one of the coolest things. There's some other cool things like we released branching in, in April. And so then people started going down the path of, okay, if candidate state is Colorado, then do this. If it's Michigan, then do this. If it's California, then do this. So it's like, we saw some very cool chain thing, which is cool for me because it was like our spec one of the Herefish workflow builder was to have branching. And we kind of like, there's a lot to unpack there and there's a lot to build. So it took us a while to get there. And once we had it out, it was like, okay, this is great. It's like a realization. And, you know, it's kind of mirroring the tools that I've used for 13 years to build programs and workflows. I don't know if that answers your question on the coolest thing, but I think that's a cool thing that's come out. It works. I remember being asked about branching and usually like kind of giving the objection handling of, well, you just use multiple automations because they're easier to track. Just name them correctly. I know branching was like part of the deal, but it also just, if this happens, flow them into this next automation, they'll enter the list and they'll move on. Branching, definitely important because the more sophisticated the user, the more they're going to expect that probably. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we're seeing, again, going back to 2015, I think it was our first engage was that year. No marketers. If we talked to one marketer, I'd be surprised. But then that every year after that, we just started seeing this ramp up of actually like marketers from other spaces, from other software companies or other industries coming into staffing and applying some of those techniques, which frankly had been not seen or seen very little kind of historically. So we started seeing more of that and like that expectation started growing. And then it helps us. I mean, honestly, when you have things that are related, it's nice to have them in kind of one automation. You know, I think there are times when you want to have some separation between automations if they go down a completely different path altogether and it becomes cumbersome to manage. But I think branching helps for those kind of quick hit if then decisions. Yeah. If in California, apply every rule that has ever been created. <laughs> yeah. Hammurabi's code to 2020. Yeah, do everything. Every rule has to be applied. Oh, California. Talking about the extremes of life right now, there's all different sides of this. It's super exciting to hear that people are getting more sophisticated and that the tools enabling it and there's other tools enabling it. What do you see maybe as the future of candidate experience and candidate engagement as someone who's lived it for the last five years? I think what we're going to start seeing is an ownership of the staffing firm with all their data, right? They've had their data in ATS and it's been largely unused. Again, 13% ever gets used. So now we're starting to see this like nurturing of their own talent pools versus going outbound to job boards or wherever else that they're sourcing from other sources. I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more tapping into the ATS more. And I think that was the intent. Like everybody's database, they want it active in like a gold mine. I think we're going to start seeing that versus going out to these kind of frankly ancient methods of sourcing talent. So I think we'll see more of that. I think we'll see more ownership on where the job lives. So I think we've seen, you know, jobs live on a bunch of different apps in a bunch of different places. I think with Google for jobs, to me as an SEO person, I think that's a good thing. I think when you have your jobs scraped and picked up, and then the end experience is back on the website of the firm that posted it, I think that's a good thing versus going through one of the job boards and bouncing around all over the place. You think about experience, it's like, it's all touch points, right? So it's all the different ways someone interacts with your brand and your firm you want to make sure you kind of own it. So you own the experience, right? That's where I see it from my standpoint as kind of a just SaaS marketer. That's what I want 
to do. I don't want to jump around and make it seem weird. I'm going to go to the tangent here a little bit. I see, I see products and you go to their site and it's beautiful and it's designed well and it's got a good flow and, and the conversion is good. But then you go to like a paid ad of that same company. It's like, they're just using the marketing automation template that came with the thing. They have their logo in the corner, but otherwise it's just a shitty looking form and some copy. And it's like, this completely breaks what I expect from a company that obviously cares about design on their kind of like brand main website, but they don't on any of the other things. So it's again, it's like a, it's a more conscious look into the touch points that exist. So for a staffing firm, it's your job flow. I know staffing features and volcanic and, maybe Haley and the others have started to like piece apart the application process to make it clean and simple. And I think able to, we're going to see more of that. I do think we'll start to see in some capacity, some native advertising occur where you have candidates that are known entities that because you now are nurturing them with your ATS. When they visit your site and everything, you know, kind of the jobs that they're going to be a good fit for. So we can natively advertise those jobs to them when they visit the site or do other things throughout the web. So that's where I see it. Now, if it gets there, who knows? Another big thing is this upskill, especially in like the high volume temp LI markets. Yeah, I know that's been a problem. You look on the HR tech side of the equation, they've been talking about that and boiling down that for quite a while, or at least a couple of years. I think we're going to start seeing that those kind of tools start making their way into the staffing tech side. But yeah, I think that's kind of the two big things I would see. And then, I mean, honestly, think of the adoption of like automated tools <laughs> in the space. It's still very low. I mean, it's probably less than 5% of staffing firms that are automating something. And so I still think there's a ton of runway left there for people to kind of realize, oh, I don't have to do this terrible thing every day. I can put that on autopilot and then focus on other things that like actually make money or make more sense for my business to propel forward. So hopefully you see more of that stuff going on. Okay. Lots to recap there. <laughs> Number one, I always like do like a scan of blog posts that I like or blogs that I like. So Salesforce had a blog post about automation and like 70% of a leader's time is like manual task or menial tasks. So like there's another case for automation. In terms of owning the jobs and not using job boards, you see Indeed entered the staffing space last two weeks, three weeks, kind of like in stealth mode, but they're there. And so posting your jobs or getting your candidates from Indeed, we'll see how that goes. But obviously there's an inherent threat to a business model there if you're a huge user of Indeed. I really like this idea of like this, if you care so much about what your brand engagement looks like, like how someone engages with your brand, you really need to care about what it looks like everywhere. Kind of to your point about those templates, like just a really, really good idea because we're in this virtual world. We're in 2020, right? Like let's not deny the fact that anything that happens on the web is your brand now, right? Like no one's going to your store or maybe they are, but not consistently. I don't have a software store yet. They're just going to the website. Well, but you know what I mean? Like you don't have a target either. Absolutely. So like, you know, it's interesting. We should do this one day or like talk about it. It's like, you can visually, because I've been in enough Targets. I've been in enough Walmarts. I've been in enough Best Buys. I can tell you what the entrance to that store, what the flow of that store is going to look like. You got to convert that to digital and what that means and like what someone can expect with your brand and really make them enjoy it in a way that removes clicks, which I think is what you're saying, and removes the friction of getting someone to engage the way that you want them engaged. And like, that's how you should be thinking about digital, right? Like how to give someone the experience that you want them to. So the process is not full of friction to get them to convert and whatever that means to your business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think removing friction is like the key. That's what you have to do. So you think of like send outs days and, and you know, from here fish days, like every little thing was like thought through at some capacity, like our proposal looked cool. Like, you know, our partner agreements. Listen, I got yelled at 
by Jason one day. Not like yell that, like, you know, he doesn't yell, but like he was angry and he's normally not angry. And he was like, Rob, stop making the demo screen. Like I was demoing in, in Chrome and he was like, stop expanding it. We made it the certain size on purpose. Yeah. Shrink your screen. Make sure there's not a white space on the edges. It has to look like this. And I'm like, okay, done. Done. Yeah. <laughs> and I never did that again. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I love it when you go to a company. I'll just use here fish because that's the most recent thing I've worked on most frequently. You go to the website, you schedule a demo and that process is elegant. We ask like four questions, like four fields we need to get this thing moving. We automate the outreach and the touch points. Once you come in the door, it came from Rob or one of our other salespeople. And then we kind of queued it up. And then when you demo the product, like our demo workflows is Adobe XD, it's very interactive and dynamic. And then we can jump into the product and like all those things, like they're all in the same spirit. They're all related. Like it's not like we went to a completely different planet and universe and things don't make sense. You walk through, like, here's our product. We're showing this to you. We're demoing it. And then here's like hands on the tool if you want to use it. But then everything from our kind of post client follow-up and touch points, like we took a little care on all those little touch points that occur. And I think that's where staffing firms, any firm, but staffing firms, since we're talking about those, like that's just a thing to consider. You think of all the different ways a candidate interacts with your company, either the first time they get sourced or the first time you have an interaction with them, it should be consistent. They visit the site, there's some consistency there. When they fill out the forms, like they fill out onboarding forms, they fill out weekly timesheets, like just make it feel like good, like have some connection with your brand and that person. And then you're just going to help yourself long-term with kind of redeploying that person or having a good relationship. And your reputation as a staffing firm becomes a little bit more easy to keep high when things are consistent versus disconnected processes we've all gone through. You apply for a job, you never hear anything. You fill out an onboarding form, you fill out a spreadsheet. I don't even know who I'm filling it out for. Copy and paste it from some other site. So just take a little time, I think, is what I would suggest. And, you know, I've seen companies do it really well and some companies do it really poorly. So there's plenty of white space there. Most of the jobs I've gotten in my life is because I know people that work there and they've referred me in. But like, I do remember like replying to jobs on LinkedIn and never hearing. So like, I think we had 22 million jobs lost in March and April. We have 11 back, according to the last jobs report. Another 1.5. By the way, we're recording this on the day that the November jobs report came out. And 1.5 million just left the workforce and are not actively looking for work. So they no longer count towards the unemployment rate. So that number is always kind of skewed. So don't actually trust that whatever percentage of the unemployed is because it's really not accurate. But for all those people who are applying for jobs, it sucks to say like, you know, applying through LinkedIn, applying through the website. It's not what it is, man. Unless you're doing high volume and, and like they just need to find qualified, competent humans and throw them into jobs. You know, I respect Aaron Grossman, the founder of Talent Launch, who really took care to do that when he was in his late industrial career and made some great matches. But like, it's still a lot easier to find an hourly job than it is to go and get something with a salary. So unfortunately, that's the case. So don't give up. Just yeah. use your network. Your number one value, right, is your network. Use your network. And then this is an opportunity for staffing firms to be a resource to people, right? So it sucks. It's like the worst thing in the world that we've all been there. You put your time and energy into building a resume, you apply at a bunch of jobs and you hear it's like absolutely nothing from anybody. And it's, it sucks. So rather than that, how about, Hey, we respond through the process. Like, Hey, you know, you weren't a great fit, but here's some great resources to go like expand your career. You know, here's where you were missing. Like here's a blog article we wrote. I think there's some things you could do where you could kind of keep that person engaged with your brand. And then also like build into them a little bit in an automated, like lower touch way, but that scales across the entire company. So I, again, I think there's opportunities all over the place. It's just people have to do it. And you're right. We have a 
crap load of candidates right now that just are super qualified. I appreciate you wrapping it all into one deep bow, by the way, with that comment. You just put your answer there. You brought in automation, you brought in upskilling, and you brought in like touch points of engagement. So you was selling an automation tool for staffing firms. But I think it goes back to the point of like, if you got rid of your marketer at the beginning of COVID, like that's that person's job is to be like, hey, this person's not qualified, but we have a ton of people not qualified that maybe you're like 5% off of this role. So like we should stay in contact with them. Maybe they're the silver medalist. Maybe the recruiter can do some research and point them to why they didn't get the job and what can help them be qualified for that job if that's really where they want to go. I think that's a really, a really good highlight that I don't think enough people talk about. And again, if you don't have someone doing marketing because you, whatever reason, don't understand the power of it and got rid of that person first for budgetary or furlough reasons, right? And you didn't hire them back quickly, you know, you're missing a lot. I do think everybody should invest in some sort of automation in the company. The way to eliminate hours and hours and hours and hours of busy work and nonsense is to simply go through your process, start putting it from the whiteboard and into a tool. And then all those little touch points and all those little things that you don't like to do get automated. And then your candidate experience goes through the roof. Your sales experience for your clients can go through the roof too. It's not just for candidates. Everybody can benefit from some sort of automation as far as the candidate client experience goes. One of the things about the whiteboard too, and then we could wrap it up after this, but you know, like I would watch whiteboard meetings and I've I've obviously been a part of them because I've been in the industry. So I've been a part of like 15 minute whiteboard meetings, which are kind of nice, right? Like get together with your teams, kind of talk about what you're working on, make sure everyone knows what's hot. You could do that every day. You could do it three times a week. You could do it twice a week. But I've also been a part of whiteboard meetings that are like a freaking hour. And you're like, why in the name of God is that not in an email? And then you're just asking everyone like, hey, do you have any questions on where your submittal is or where this interview is? Do you have any questions on what this job is about? Like all of that stuff can be, get a BI tool, send out automated reports and metrics, let everyone know where the hell they are first thing in the morning, and then hold a meeting to be like, hey, anyone have questions or anyone need anything? And stop having meetings. If you listen to Snacks Daily, the Snacks Daily podcast, they were talking about like, how do you figure out how much a meeting costs a company every day. It's like a half hour meeting is like some like 600 bucks, right? In salary, multiply that by every day. And you, it was like 52,000 if it's like a half hour every day, like some, some ridiculous number of money that is salary, like time. Send everything to them in an email, let them digest it, and then jump in and be like, hey, any questions or anything like you need to know? Yeah. And then have coffee together for 10 minutes. Stop having meetings. And please stop having whiteboard. Yeah. That's kind of a page out of like the agile playbook, right? You know, you do a daily stand up and you're like, okay, speed bumps, accomplishments, roadblocks, like what's important for that day to progress to the next day. So we can ship our work at the end of that sprint period. You know, I think that you start seeing some of that, especially in sales pits, recruiting pits, you see some standups and you see kind of the rah-rah, like let's get going. I don't think it's as frequent as I'd like. Sometimes it's every two weeks or sometimes it's the beginning of the week. Like every day, let's like, let's hammer through. It takes 15 minutes and cap it at 15 minutes. Give people, depending on how big your pot is, like break it down. Like you got 30 seconds to rip through this stuff. I know in teams that I've ran, like that's the part that people fear the most when they come in. It's like, hey, we're going to have a 15 minute stand up every single day. It's like, oh shit, that's going to be awful. That's going to be so bad. But that 15 minute stand up eliminates 90% of the meetings that we would have otherwise to talk about the same exact stuff. And it helps everybody in the team be accountable. It helps everybody in the team add their perspective to it to help that person that has that speed bumper, that roadblock to get over it. I've seen a ton of success with those, with that, just that small technique right there. And so I think that's 
again, to the point of having team cohesiveness and everything else, like that's just a very friendly and easy way to get it done and have more production by having less meetings. More meetings don't equal more productive. That's probably the shirt that we need to have made someday or sticker. Yes. I do recall you and I being on like calls, being like, are we having a meeting about having a meeting? Let's stop. Let's get off of yeah, this freaking it's call. Stupid. They're the dumbest things in the world. Like some meetings, like, you know, you, you do like, hey, we need to like spend a little more time thinking through this problem. Productive. Those are few and far between. Few and far between. Like maybe once a year. And you can schedule those. All these other meetings. Yeah. Maybe once a month. Okay. It depends on how what your volume and what you're doing and what you're trying to solve, sure. right? Like, but for the most part. Yeah. For the most part, all meetings, they're just a waste of time. Because half the time you're just invited to it and you feel obligated to go there. But there's things like you weren't part of the original meeting that spawned this meeting. So it's like you're trying to play catch up. So it's a bunch of that stuff. It's like, why have these siloed kind of conversations if like everybody needs to kind of have input on it? Like if everybody needs to have input on it, let's have that same group do a 10 minute stand up every morning and kind of hammer through it and keep the progress moving forward and the momentum going. That's my two cents on how work should be done. Two cents on meetings. What are your two cents on PDFs again? <laughs> if you're going to make a PDF, just put it on the website. Yeah, right. If you're going to have a one page, you just put it on the website. They're more dynamic, more trackable. Rob, you and I did this experiment at Herefish. I was like, okay, do you really want a PDF? We'll put a PDF and we're going to track the link. We're going to track how many times people open it. Out of the 300 times you sent it, it got open like twice or something ridiculous. No way. Yeah, that thing, it was so small. I mean, it wasn't viewed long by any means. I think maybe like, I can remember two people who viewed it for more than five minutes. They just left their tab open. Well, no, I was going to say someone had it open for like 45 minutes and I was like, they just left their tab open. But everyone opened it. I would say maybe not everyone. 85 to 90% of the people that I sent that link to that we were tracking opened the one pager that we created. So you probably had the statistics more recently than I did, but I remember a pretty good open rate. Well, the view rate was We slow. can argue about it. The action rate on that. Because, oh yeah, that's what it was. Because you had to spill out your, hey, we just want your email address if you look at this thing. Well, no, it was, we would do the demo and I would send like a recap link of like, the XD deck, not the full thing, but just like some high level stuff and people would view it. I'm calling hijinks on this because there was one that was like less than a percent. I was like, this is why we don't have PDF because it was less than a percent and nobody did the thing we wanted them to do on it. Like, this is why things need to live on web pages because they're easier to change. They can be shared more easily. They can be tracked more easily. Get away from one pagers, folks. Let's just do it. As an organization, as a team of people. As a community. As a community of as a people. As a community of humans. Yeah. Let's get rid of one pagers one and make them websites. Yeah. Make them a landing page, guys, or make them part of your website. Just make them, yeah. All right. Let's get some search benefit out of it versus that's living in somebody's trash folder on their desktop. Good old trash folder. All right, Mr. Arnold, thank you for that awesome conversation. Hope everybody enjoyed it. How can people interact with you since you no longer have a work email? By the way, Travis is officially temporarily retired. Yes. Uh, is what I'm calling it. Yes. So. I resigned from Bullhorn on November using the time to kind of learn new things and explore some ideas I've got. In the meantime, obviously LinkedIn is a good place to get in touch with me. TravisArnold.com. I kind of revitalized my old, old website way back from 2007. Bunch of old crappy. Travis has got a great teleprompter <laughs> on there that I'm going to make use of for videos, by the way, which I was really sad about because I did all these conference video recordings and like, I tried to remember what the hell I was supposed to say, but having a teleprompter would have been tremendously more valuable, man. I'm glad you showed me that. Yeah, I was doing videos when I had my agency, Harbinger Labs, six years, seven years ago, something like that. And like all the teleprompters, like this is too much. It's too complicated. I just want something to say words at a, at a speed. That's it. I don't need all this other crap. 
so I spent my Friday afternoon one day. I was like, well, I'm going to put something together. So Prompter was born out of that. It's like the first rev is you can find it from the website. But it's like those little things. I think those are good. I mean, that's wax poetic on just kind of how design plays into how people interact and use things. Like that's a huge belief of mine that you can have great marketing and, and copy and everything else, but you have to pair that with good design and everything else. Like everything that that person touches your prospect or your candidate touches needs to kind of look good. And so many companies don't spend that time and that effort doing that. And I think that's a shame. So I like to spend a little time on things to make sure that they look good and come across as well. All right, guys. So you can find Travis at travisarnold.com. He's got lots of cool little toys on the right-hand side. So don't be afraid to use them. Where's the game that you sent me the other day? That's the 404 page. Yeah. Travisarnold.com slash 404. If you don't like offensive words, you might not want to go to that page, but there is a cool little Asteroids game on there you can play. And I'm going to go do that right now. All right, Travis, thank you so much, man. So signing off, this is Rob. And I'm Lauren. Now go do something good. Thanks, guys.